blinked. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Monday, February 26th, 1968. Blinked, as in who blinked, Scott Boris or the Chicago Cubs? I was away this weekend in San Diego. I'm going to talk about the weekend, and I, I want to mention a few things that happened that were funny this weekend. But when the news came in about what happened with Cody Bellinger, the first thought, given how crazy I can be, was, oh, that's one of the four players who didn't get a one-year deal plus an opt-out after one because that is a wait to see that I have. I thought it'd be one year plus one with the opt-out after one. I have one of four Boris guys getting that deal. All of a sudden, I get the alert that Bellinger is off the board with a three-year, $80 million deal. My second thought after saying, all right, I still have three players left to get the way to see right is, oh, Boris just did a Correa deal. He got a team to give a three-year deal to his player with an opt-out after the first year. If the players hurt Correa, if the player stinks Bellinger, then you just opt into the second year. Then if the players hurt stinks, you opt into the third year. And before you know it, you got yourself 105 with Correa or 80 with Bellinger. That seems like a good deal. Cody Bellinger goes from non-tender to 80 guaranteed million dollars because he had a good year, which makes Boris think that the MVP rookie of the year guy is who exists now, not the, oh my God, he was one of the worst players in baseball guy. So the Chicago Cubs are sitting there, Jed Hoyer, doing great. We're getting Boris. This is our moment. Boris is staying at the rumored $200 million NGTH. It was not going to happen, never going to happen. Even 125 over five was never going to happen. But Boris thought no reason. Everything's good. Hang in there, Cody. We're good. Hang in. All right, I'll call the Cubs. Hey, you guys are getting a lot of bad press. Don't you want to bring back your most popular player from last year? Well, yes, we do, Scott, but at a reasonable amount. Don't forget when we took him last year, it was a one-year look because he was coming off such trek. Well, Jed or Tom, look at how great he did. Now he gets the money. Show me the money. So the Cubs wait, the Cubs wait, the Cubs wait. It's only February 26th. What is the reason to blink now? And I say that on behalf of Boris and Ricketts. What is the upside? Let's go through the scenarios. The player calls the agent and says, I need to sign by the day after tomorrow. I don't care where. Get me the most guarantee you can from whatever team. But my family needs to know where I'm going to be, where the kids are going to be, where my house is going to be, where I'm going to be in spring training. Whatever the reason is, a player can call an agent and say, no mas, Stein now. That's option one. Option two, Tom Ricketts calls up Jed Hoyer and says, Jed, I can't take it anymore. Too much. I need to know my lineup. I need to know the team. We've got games starting right now. And we just, let's, let's get ready for a season. The, the NL Central looks like it's terrible. There's no leadership in St. Louis. The Brewers are retooling. I mean, this is us. We can do this. Let, let Just call up Scott. Get the best you can do. No problem. 
But Tom, they're going to want opt-outs after every year if we don't give them 200 over, over five. Well, we're not going to do that. So just give them the opt-outs, no problem. Here come the calls from the commissioner's office. Now, they don't really come. I'm doing this for entertainment purposes only. But were calls to come, they would go something like this. And they would not just go to the Cubs. Everyone's guilty of it. What's the deal with the opt-outs after a year and then after two years? In what world do you, the team, ever get one iota of benefit from giving a player an opt-out every year of a contract? Just inform me. Educate me. Tell me what all of you analytics and brilliant Ivy League minds who work for the clubs, tell me what you're analyzing where you see 0.0069% of a benefit for an opt-out after a year and then after two years in a three-year deal. I'll shut up and listen. Anybody? Bueller? Not one club executive can say to the commissioner's office, not one, because they've asked. And I've been on the other side of that. We gave Stanton an opt-out after six years. After seven years, he had to opt into the last six. One opt-out, just to make sure that the Marlins were doing what they were going to be doing. That was what Joe Wolf said. And I violated my principles. Violated them. Horrible. Once you violate, it's easier to violate again. What the agents do is they just peck away at you like this annoying little vermin that just like gnats or mosquitoes if you're in Florida where they're not going to kill you. Well, malaria notwithstanding and, and scratching yourself and all that other stuff, but they're just annoying. This, these opt-outs were generated by agents solely. They were not the idea of teams. They were the idea of agents who wanted to give their clients optionality. And here's the optionality they were seeking. It's protection against sucking. I always would say to agents, and I would say this in committee meetings as well on the owner's side, when we talk about a salary cap and a salary floor and things that go together, you know, peanut butter and jelly. If you're going to pay a player more money when they're good, then why can't we pay them less money when they're bad? Just throwing it out there. And I got flogged. So the way the opt-out works with Bellinger is if he has a crappy year, he opts in because he's not going to get $30 million from anyone. He'll have $50 million left in his deal, paid out 30, 30, 20. He'll make the first 30 now. If he stinks, he'll opt into the last 30 and 20. But then he can have another opt-out, so he has another chance to be good. It's like the old NBA rule, three to make two. They got rid of that. Boy, did I just age myself, didn't I? It used to be that there were times at the free throw line that a player would get three free throws to make two. Absurd. My view is you're a professional player. You don't get a free miss. That's what opt-outs are. Bellinger now has two years to have one good one. Because if he has a bad year this year, he opts in. Then he has a good year next year, he opts out. The only way that the Cubs are paying him the $20 million three years from now is if he's worth about a dollar and a half. The only way that the Cubs are paying him $30 million next year 
is if he's worth 15 million. Boris gets to say to Bellinger, hey, we're going to Korea you. It's like a verb. We're going to do the quick opt out, have a great year, opt out of the remaining $50 million, and we'll do a six-year, $180 million deal. I know Correa got 200, but we'll get you 6180, and you'll get 180 plus this year's 30. That's 210. Now we're where I told you you'd be. That's how Boris wins. He just says to the player, I didn't get it now, but we're on schedule. No, no. If you were on schedule, it wouldn't matter if your player stunk. Now you actually need to get performance. So Bellinger's back to the Cubs. That leaves Snell, Montgomery, Chapman. Boris, Boris, Boris. Yankees still rumored to have Snell. Now that Bellinger did the 1-1-1, 30-30-20, can you not see Snell doing that? Harder for pitchers. If I'm a pitcher and I can get four years at $100 million, I'm taking that versus three at 80 with, op, with, op, with opt-outs. Three at 80 with an opt-out every year, I would take four at 100, just bank it because my arm could fall off tomorrow. There's a greater risk of Snell's arm falling off than of a position player stinking. Some rumor about the Angels are in on Montgomery in their big move since they lost Otani. Who thinks that Jordan Montgomery is going to end up like C.J. Wilson? I guess Artie Moreno doesn't think that. Welcome back to Chicago. Really happy for you, Scott. Who blinked? I think they both sort of blinked, actually. All right. Just saw Montgomery had a what? He had a Zoom with the Reds. <laughs> That's so good, Coco. Did that really happen? Montgomery did a Zoom with the Red Sox? Was he trying to show his championship pedigree? Was he trying to convince Sam Kennedy and Tom Werner what full throttle is? Was he explaining what a great guy in the clubhouse he is? Was he asking questions about the minor league system or how their spring training facility is? Hey, I can't see you. Put on this camera. Is that what you were saying? Was John Henry on the Zoom? Give me a break. So this weekend I was in St. I was in St. Louis. I have St. Louis on my mind. St. Louis is always on my mind. Went to San Diego for a charity event, the 30th anniversary of a organization called the Challenged Athletes Foundation. For those of you who know me, you know that I did the seven marathons on seven days and seven continents. And you know that Sarah Reinertsen was one of the teammates. Our team was called Team Hold the Plane. And the reason we were called Team Hold the Plane is that some of us, David, were so slow that the rule of the marathons is once you finish, the plane basically takes off because you have to get to the next continent to run a marathon. No breaks. Seven continents, seven days. So our group of people that included Michael Hill and Jeff Conine, a bunch of baseball people, Sarah Reinertsen, Sarah Lacina from Survivor, Gabrielle Sanchez's wife, Judy, was there chronicling the whole thing. Anyway, team hold the plane, like hold the plane. So one of the charities... I raised over a million dollars doing that. And one of the beneficiaries was Challenge Athletes Foundation. Challenge Athletes Foundation, and I wanna, I'm gonna read this to you because I wanna get it exactly right for the audience. It is the mission of CAF to provide opportunities and support to people with physical challenges so they can pursue active lifestyles through physical fitness and competitive athletics. Which means that 
when you need a leg, a blade, a chair, any sort of equipment, Challenge Athletes Foundation will get you back in the game. We will provide equipment. There is a baseball player named Landis Sims. There's a baseball player named Parker Bird. You read about him, the guy with one leg who just is playing Division I baseball. Guess what? CAF. You may have seen a movie about double amputee playing baseball, Landis Sims. Guess what? Challenge Athletes Foundation. You may have read that Sarah Reinertson was the first ever below the knee amputee to finish Hawaii Ironman as a woman, CAF. You may have read or met Rudy Garcia, double amputee, and his physical accomplishments, Olympic accomplishments. It is the most unreal organization I've ever been a part of. So at this gala, it was a place called Rancho Valencia. And we're sitting there in the gala. And all of a sudden, the founder, a guy named Jeffrey Essekow, who is the chairman of the board and the, one of the three co-founders with Bob Babbitt and Rick Kozlowski. Bob Babbitt, very, very famous triathlete. Anyway, Jeffrey S. Cow's giving a little speech. And then he says, and by the way, I would like to bring to the stage a huge supporter of CAF. Please welcome Chris Martin from Coldplay. And 500 people went blank, silent. So Chris Martin played a set with physically challenged musicians, a musician who has no arms and plays guitar like Slash with his feet. Go watch Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot, by the way. The things you can do with your feet would surprise you. I'm the guy on the board, Coca, who I talk to the physically challenged athletes and I ask them practical questions. I ask them like, hey, how do you blank? How do you wash your body? How do you brush your teeth? Like, tell me, tell me the plan. Sarah Reinertson takes her leg off for anything starting with S, means sleeping and showering, et cetera. We were on the plane going from continent to continent and you look and there's Sarah Reinertson hopping to the bathroom. She's a hero. You're seen on the screen on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You're watching this on YouTube. These are all challenged athletes. So Chris Martin performs. It's a great night. It raised over five and a half million dollars. And I spoke to so many of the athletes whose lives were changed. And I have a problem. And this is what I want to talk to you all about. And I don't have a bad things happen to me problem. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So fortunate and so lucky. I have a bit of a glass half full problem a little cynical, maxed with, matched with pragmatism. So we have a, Adam Greenberg just texted. So I'm getting a lot of birthday love right now, which is nice, people commenting. He's the one at bat guy, Coca. There's another memory we made for someone who got hit in the head and never got an at bat in Major League Baseball. And we signed him in 2012 and he faced R.A. Dickey and struck out on three pitches. But we made his dreams come true and we're still in touch. I'm in touch with a lot of people, a lot of strange people. Not look at me, Louie, just. Anyway, what I kept thinking about all night, looking at all the athletes, is part of being on the board is there's there are grants and there's grant applications. And we have to say no all the time. 
And this is a big foundation. And we have done tens of thousands of grants. Just it's expensive. You don't realize legs, they're not covered by insurance. Insurance companies don't give a flying rat's ass if you ever go run again if you get your leg amputated. They don't care. Well, we do. And all I kept thinking about were the number of people we said no to. And I shouldn't think that way because you can't be everything to everybody. All you can do, and this goes for everybody listening or watching this show, you do what you can. You can't help everybody. But I'm sitting there in this gala, surrounded by brilliant people, successful people on and off the court, inspired people. And everybody's inspired. Everybody's crying during presentations and videos. The way you raise money is make people cry. It's tried and true. Tears are correlated with dollars. And my tears were about all the people I never met, all the people who are sitting there without the ability to play baseball or, or run or cycle or do anything. Anyway, it was a weekend well worth it. And congratulations to Challenge Athletes Foundation and they and we will keep going. I have another board committee meeting tomorrow night. It is a, uh, it's endless because of the feeling that you don't want to say no. So you're always out raising money, figuring out how to be efficient with the money you raise. Thanks to Jeffrey Jacobs and many other sponsors of the event, over 95% of the dollars raised went are going to grants, going to CAF. And the event was insane, including Chris Martin. I have video Coca on my phone of Chris Martin at a, in front of 500 people. I mean, I what are the odds of that? I, I wish I could show you this. This guy has no arms and he's playing guitar. Anyway, I'll post some stuff on social media, David P. Sampson on Twitter and on Instagram. All right, how about a Monday? How about an A's update? Everyone's all excited, games have started. I don't want to yuck on anyone's yum, but I can't stand it. And this is just 18 years. That's all it is. I just can't stand it. Yeah, Juan Soto went deep. Juan Soto looks amazing. This is what the Yankees are getting. He had a home run in his first spring training game. Would you give me a break? Just a small little break one time for me. I think it's great that he started with a home run. Does that mean that he's going to have 60 home runs this year? Take the under. Ah, crikey's Musgrove, a huge supporter of CAF. The Padres organization, you know I get down on A.J. Preller. A.J. Preller, as well as, and other members of the Padres organization are huge supporters of CF because it's based in San Diego. Joe Musgrove does a ton of cool stuff with physically challenged athletes. He got shelled his first start. Oh, God, that's it. Everybody's screwed. I just don't like the overreactions that come with spring training. You're never as good as you think or as bad as you think in spring training. So what else caught my attention was the Oakland A's because they always catch my attention. And I was with my very good friends, Jacqueline and Dave from Vegas. And I asked them, hey, you excited for the A's to come to Vegas? Well, not really. Like we definitely want an NBA team. 
this is their not their personal view. This is the view of Vegas, as was told to me. Definitely want an NBA team. You know, baseball. All the people with money aren't in Vegas during the summer. I said, oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds a lot like Miami. Anybody with money is not in Miami during the summer. They're in the Northeast. Yeah, but we're going to get LeBron James. Maybe Shaq, but probably LeBron. Well, what do you think of John Fisher and Dave Cavill? Who? I said, wait, you guys have never heard of Dave Cavill? Nope. Are you aware of John Fisher? Uh, slightly. Now they had, but they were talking about their group of friends. Then I got into a conversation with a bunch of people who are all West Coast people, not the Vegas people, about what the A's are doing both in social media and with their fans. And I have a few suggestions. John, if you're watching, Dave, if you're watching or listening, or somebody one degree is. So if you would do me a small, solid, and text Dave Cavill. If you're gonna be on Twitter, you gotta have your replies open. I'm sorry, you just have to. The Oakland A's Twitter account has their replies closed and Dave Cavill, the president of the A's, has his replies closed. For what? Because you don't want anything negative written about you? Sorry, then get off X. That is part of the game. There's going to be negativity. You can't legislate against it. And when you close your replies, you look like you look petty and ridiculous. Second, don't block anyone. Just mute them. You don't like what they're saying. You don't want to see it. But open your replies. Third, I don't care if you're moving to Vegas. I don't care if you're going to stay in Oakland in the interim. I don't care if you're gone from Oakland this year. Have a freaking fan fest. You can do it in a way that is very, very cost effective. Hi, my name's David Sampson. I've done them that way, both in Montreal and Florida. Having no fan fest at all, Major League Baseball should have stepped in and made them do it. Why allow fans to get together, which they did, do their own fan fest, which they did, and make you look so bad because it went so well? Is baseball asleep at the switch? Are the A's asleep at the switch? Am I missing something? Yeah, you're leaving Oakland. Okay, maybe. I get it. But you're there now. Why not try? This update of the A's brought to you by, was that too harsh, Coca? Dot com. All right. When we take a break, I just did a, I was up all night, Coca. I got back from the trip. Of course, I had tons of laundry and we had had it, um, house guests before we left. So I hadn't done that laundry yet. So I had to strip that bed. Anyway, five loads of laundry overnight. I finished the leftovers, which I'm going to review tomorrow. Finished the finale of season three. Done with that series. Little sore throat. I'm playing a little hurt today. 
did not get one minute of sleep. Why should I? It's my birthday. I might as well stay up for the full 24 hours and enjoy it. Who the hell would want to sleep like 12 hours on their birthday? That's cutting it in half. Do that on your half birthday. I have no idea why I was just saying that. Oh, we're taking a break because I need a sip of water and I'm sweating and I shaved in the middle of the night. You ever shave? I shave as those of you who watch Nothing Personal Every Day, you can tell what day it is by my face. Clean shave in Monday and growth by Friday because I only shave on Sunday nights. So I shaved last night, but now I've got the itchy chin, which is always the precursor to a breakout. So now I'm wiping it with my handkerchief. Now I'm going to be obsessed over it. Oi. Hi. Welcome to Nothing Personal. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to review an Oscar-nominated movie. We are getting closer to the Oscars. The Oscars have been, do you know what, by the way, before we go to break, do you know what 10 years ago today was? With those same friends who I was just with in San Diego, 10 years ago today, I was in Las Vegas with Larry Beinfest for a night watching the season premiere of Survivor season 28, Survivor Cagayan. I knew I had been voted out. And in those days, the day after you're voted out, you have to be in LA to do media. So instead of spending the night, Sunday night in LA, I spent, uh, it was a Wednesday, February 26th or a Thursday, whatever it was. I think back then it was Thursday, February 26th, 2014. Anyway, Wednesday night, I watched it and I, they did a party for me. My friends in Vegas, we had a party. And the irony is I wasn't allowed to tell them I got voted out. And so we're having this party, we're watching it and everything's looking great. And then all of a sudden I'm voted out and it's my birthday and the whole room went dead quiet because I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. And they were all so excited thinking, oh, I bet you win, don't you, David? And I had to pretend and pretend. And then I'm standing there in the party, got my torch snuffed, the torch right there above my left finger. That is the actual torch that got snuffed 10 years ago today. I have no idea why that was on my mind. Oh, because this is the anniversary, 10 year anniversary of my one episode. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review American fiction. And then we're gonna talk about something that happened in Wake Forest that we, if we're not at an inflection point now about storming the court, then we never will be, but we are, I promise you. We'll discuss it all when we're back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca. We are live every day at 8 a.m. 
Almost every day. Pretty close to every day. The shows we did last week, you may not have known I was in San Diego, 5 a.m. Pacific time. We did a show, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thank you for subscribing and telling your friends about us. It continues to shock me, the people inside and outside the sports world who listen to this show. It is humbling the numbers that we get every single day. And it is all with zero help from anyone but Coca. So thank you, Coca, for that. All right. I watched American Fiction. Am I really going to promote another Metal Arc show because they do such a good job of promoting mine? Two rights don't make a wrong. Okay. Now, here we go. 4869. Two wrongs don't make a right. Cord Jefferson wrote and directed a movie called American Fiction, and he did an entire episode with Pablo Torre on a show called Pablo Torre Finds Out, an outstanding show that is released three times a week, led by the brilliant, funny, stinging, polarizing, yet everyone loves him other than people you don't want to love you, Pablo Torre. Cord Jefferson came up with a movie about a black writer who can't find a way to sell books because he writes serious intellectual books. And the person who's selling the most books is this other black writer who sells books that are in slang, like street language. And so this guy played by Jeffrey Wright, nominated for best actor in a movie nominated for best picture, says, all right, I'm going to write a joke of a book that is so ridiculous that no one's going to buy it. And I'm doing it as a joke to show the absurdity of this marketplace. Why is there no room for my intellectual book? And of course, the book he writes that's a joke turns out to be the biggest selling book of his career. It is such an interesting concept, such an interesting movie, so many layers, so many nuances of what it means and who the audience is, who plays to what audience and why, and is it okay to play to an audience if it gets in the way of your creativity or gets in the way of actually speaking or writing correctly? KYA, know your audience. If the rule is know your audience and the audience always comes first, just ask Mike Greenberg, that's his plan for commissioner. Fans, first and foremost. All right, that's going to work really well. Maybe in writing it does. It's called American Fiction. You're obviously going to see it because you got a best actor and a best picture. And you have to see all the movies before the Oscars, which are coming up in two weeks from yesterday. Wow. How's the announcement going for Metal Arc Coke? Has that happened yet? Do we know what we're doing? It's so easy to get hurt playing sports. It's so easy. It's so bad. It's bad for the player. It's bad for the owner. It's bad for the team. Just injuries are terrible. Self-inflicted injuries, a concept that I love talking about. Hate them. You pull up with a torn hammy, running to first. That's not self-inflicted. Twist your ankle. Separate your shoulder diving for a ball like Hanley would do. Not self-inflicted. Injuries happen during the course of games. Punch a wall when you're taken out of the game and break your hammock or your hand or your finger. Self-inflicted. Jumping up and down, celebrating a win and tearing your ACL. 
Mets fans, self-inflicted. Here's another thing that's self-inflicted. When you're trying to leave the court at the end of a game and a fan runs into you and you get hurt. Now, understand the difference that I'm saying. Two types of self-inflicted. The general broader statement is self-inflicted to me is anything that doesn't happen during the course of a game. Any game injury, I'm going to live with. Non-game injury, I can't bear it. Kyle Filipowski plays for Duke. Wake Forest beat Duke in Wake Forest in men's college basketball. And everybody stormed the court before Duke had a chance to leave the court. Unlike Chris Chambliss, if you know, you know, pounding his way through the crowd. Reggie Jackson, same crowd, when people were bum-rushing Yankee Stadium back in the 70s. The college players are trying to find a way out. They just want to get back to the clubhouse safely. And he got hurt. So what's going to happen? Well, I want to reiterate what I had said. You remember that the SEC is has a fine system. If you are a team that rushes the court and you do not allow the opposing players and officials to get off the court, you can be fined 100 grand. If it happens twice, 250 grand. If it happens again, 500 grand. Not even close. While athletics departments are struggling, budgets are tight. There is a view of certain executives, certain ADs, certain team presidents, who think that charging the field, running onto the court, bringing down the goalposts, that that means that there's this pent up aggression with your town that you've helped release in a safe way. You've won something which has caused people to want to storm the court. I was in the minority when teams would win championships and there would be rioting. As an executive, I wanted every one of my fans, every one of the fans who were doing that to get arrested because A, I had a theory that the majority of people who were doing that were not actually fans of the team. They were looking for an excuse. The Wake Forest people who stormed the court, they just such big Wake Forest fans that they were so emotional. They had such a sense of relief. They'd finally beaten Duke. Oh my God, this is the greatest day of my life. Let me show it by running on the court. I go to a lot of Broadway plays that I love. I don't run on the stage after to congratulate Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh my God, you guys were so good. You nailed it. Why? How about if in your office, when you did something good at your job, maybe even a little unexpected, a lecture for the boss, in come 100 people storming into your office, jumping on your desk, throwing all your crap everywhere. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? I'm calling it again. The SEC and their plan for fines, not even close. The ACC, has no system in place yet. Every single conference will have a system in place 
in the next six months. This is an official wait to see, Matthew Coca. In the next six months, every Congress will have a system in place to fine home teams for a storming of the court that happens before the visiting team has a chance to leave the court. I guarantee you it's going to happen. Wait to see. The fact that it took a player to get injured is pathetic. The system should have been in place in every conference and the amount should be way more than 100, 250, and 500. How about losing scholarships? How about 5 million and then 10 million and then 20 million? How about incentivizing home teams to get more security? Oh my God, Madonna, I love you. Chris Martin, I was just five feet from Chris Martin. I wasn't going to bum rush the stage. There was not even security there. I totally could have. I actually regret that I didn't now. Oh, well. Market Coca, official wait to see. All right, do you remember Friday night what our pick of the day was? Nothing, personal pick of the day. Almost brought to you by somebody. We had the Milwaukee Bucks plus four against the Timberwolves. Not only did we win that, but we would have won the Bucks giving points. The Bucks won the game. Doc Rivers is back, baby. You see the Bucks beat the Sixers. Doc Rivers goes back to Philly and gets booed. What was he expecting? But he followed page three of the playbook of a fired manager going back to your old team. You always say, hey, I loved my time here. Obviously, I wanted to win the big one. Obviously, I'm sorry for how it ended. But I must tell you, I have never loved a fan base as much as I loved that one. Of course, when you go to your new team, you say, this is the number one fan base in the world. Well, I thought you said the Phillies were. No, no, the Bucs are. No, no, the Bucs aren't. The Bucs really are. Milwaukee's amazing. Doc Wolves. Doc Wolves getting booed. Did you like that? Ready? Wipe it, Coca. Three, eight, six, nine. Doc Rivers getting booed in Philly. All right, we're 26 and 28. What's my pick of the day? Sacramento, a touchdown favorite over the Heat. No Jimmy Butler, no Najee Marshall, suspended. Remember the rule we talked about in the NBA? It's a very simple rule. When there's a fight going on in the court, you can't leave the bench. Remember when the Knicks played the Heat and they all left the bench in the playoffs and there were tons of suspensions that cost the Knicks the series? You know how the fact that the NBA now has 12 coaches sitting in their quarter zips? They got one job to do. Keep your players off the court during a fight. Now, of course, you've got Tyler Hero and others saying, oh, we're bonding around this. We are absolutely loving each other. Butler won't play for the Heat. Thomas Bryant won't play. Nikola Jokic won't play. The Pelicans lost a couple of players too, Marshall and Alvarado. The thing about fighting in the NBA, you know, in hockey, you can at least you get a punch in. In baseball, there's a chance you can connect. It's really harder in basketball. And this is coming from somebody who watched Rudy Tomjanovich get his jaw rearranged. So it can happen. This is coming from someone who loved 90s basketball, where you had Lambeer and Larry Bird and Kareem. Just stay on the bench. If the NBA cares so much, 
I really expected something totally different in these. It's a good thing we didn't have a show and I didn't do it as a wait to see. Because the collective bargaining agreement allows for the commissioner to have some leeway when it comes to the suspensions for these leaving the bench instances. And if you're really trying to stop it, make it count. Give everyone 10 games. You know how quick players wouldn't leave the bench if they were going to get suspended 10 games without pay? No one would ever leave the bench again. Oh, I would. Here's what the former athletes are going to say. Oh, when it comes to saving one of my teammates, of course I will. Nope, not if it means 10 games, you won't. They got four other guys on the court. At any given time, there's four people protecting. Knug, it's enough. What else can we talk about today? Can we talk about Steve Kerr for a second? Did you read that this weekend? The coach of the Golden State Warriors got a two-year extension for $35 million. $35 million. That's $17.5 million for a coach. David, he's won championships. He should be the highest paid guy. True, only Popovich is higher, but he also is the GM. You know what caused this? Spolstra getting that $120 million deal over eight years. Steve Kerr is saying, hey, I'll negotiate till I'm blue in the face. You think I'm getting less than Spolstra? You can't be serious. Now, the Craig Council situation in Chicago, where he got the $8 million, all the other teams can say, hey, yeah, I didn't win a title with the Brewers. The Cubs are an outlier. We're not doing it. That's the Deshaun Watson point of view. Hey, we're not getting to 230 on a guarantee. When it comes to coaches and coaches' salaries, and you've got the bona fides the way Steve Kerr does, how did the Warriors and Joe Lacob actually think that they were going to win this? Apparently, they've been negotiating for a long time. Maybe the only benefit is that Kerr only took two years. And then you dig a little deeper and you say, hey, that's how long the window is in Golden State for the delusionals still, because the window's closed already. But the delusionals will say, as long as we have Curry, we have a window. The fact of the matter is that Curry is signed for two more years. And now so is Curry. So they're both going to end at the same time. And for those who somehow think that Steve Kerr is the difference maker, Mark Jackson couldn't get it done. We brought in Steve Kerr, OMG. We are championship bound. I'm not trying to downplay Steve Kerr. I'm really not. I'm just trying to talk some sense into owners. Wasn't it enough when you saw what Monty Williams did? Wasn't that the end? When someone gave him, the Pistons gave him like 78 million over six years and they haven't gotten to double digit wins? Don't you then say, you know, maybe our players just aren't good enough and the coach isn't going to make the difference. So why would I spend this amount of money on a coach? It doesn't make sense at all. It's not like there's a cap. Like the NFL announced its cap of $250 million. So all of a sudden everyone thinks that everyone's going to be spending money hand over fist. All the players came out and said, oh, look, all this money's coming to us. And I laughed because, of course, that's not how it'll work. But anyway, coaches aren't part of this. 
They're not part of the salary cap. It's not required to spend that amount. So I have an idea. I would like there to be a coaches union. And when the coaches join the union, because they're not part of the players union, I would like there to be salary metrics. When the division blank, went around in the playoffs blank, two rounds blank, conference finals blank, you win the finals blank, you get escalators. I'm not trying to make it so everybody gets paid the same amount. I'm trying to pay for performance. Steve Kerr's got the rings. What does Monty have? Spolstra's got the rings. But when there's no salary cap for a coach, all Steve Kerr has to do is say, hey, you don't want me leaving this place. I am Miracle Texas. What's it called? Jardin, Texas. I am the reason that everything goes well. And what do you do? I guess you give him the Correa two years, the Bellinger three years. They're on the down. If you want to give a bonus to an employee who did really well for you, but that sort of run of him doing well for you is over, do it as a bonus. Don't move the entire salary scale to do it. When it comes to making decisions like this, you have to think about the ripple effect. Oh, don't worry, Steve Carrez rings. That's why no one else will ever make 17 and a half. Nope, it's not going to work that way. It's just not. All right, what didn't we get to? Okay. Thank you, Coca. Well, thank all of you. That's our show. Now, I'm going to go fold some laundry and maybe get some shut-eye, but probably not. We'll be back tomorrow, 8 a.m., for another edition of Nothing Personal. It's just business. This has been the birthday edition of Nothing Personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.